American dream. For each of us, it's always different. But for those that are new to this country, it could mean food, safety, employment, and being able to provide for their family. Hi, I'm Casey Jones, and I jumped feet first into the world of immigration. The more I learned, the more I studied, the more I realized it is a much bigger problem than what we are being told. So I wanted to share with you what I have learned through this whole process. I quickly learned that this idea of the American dream is actually a nightmare. So buckle up and get ready to listen to first-hand accounts of true stories from immigration. And this is The American Nightmare. Hey everyone, thanks for joining another episode of The American Nightmare. We have a great guest with us today. He's a, a good friend and actually one of my bosses. Um, so thank you for joining us, Daniel. Um, I'll turn it over to you so you can introduce yourself and we can go from there. Great. Thank you, Casey. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. My name's Daniel Chaboya. And as my dad used to always say, if you can say cha-cha-cha, you can say my name. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, cha-cha-cha-boya. But um, I come from, a, I would say, a little bit unusual family. It's a border family, uh, Mexican, Mexican-American on one side, and then Scottish, Irish, uh, Welsh, and other things uh, on the other side. And um, and I'm just, just happy uh, to be of service to people. I do work as the director of the um, Tulsa Community College English as Second Language Program Department. And then I'm also the founder of a, a nonprofit organization that, that helps with intercultural exchange, language training, and we're doing a lot of community development work right now, um, not, not only in Tulsa, but also in Honduras and in Colombia. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've witnessed a lot of your work and what you guys do is, is amazing. So, yeah, thank you uh, for joining, with, joining us today and taking time for us. Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here, happy to share. And, and uh, like I told you, I think I'll be able to share some information that might be new for a lot of people and hopefully will help uh, soften some of our, our concepts uh, kind of centering around immigrants and refugees. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have for us. Um, so the first question is that I always like to start off with is what got you involved in helping the immigrant community? Like, why did you want to be the director of English as a second language, or why do you want to start this nonprofit? Like, what drew you to the immigrant community? Yes, wonderful question, and I think I'll have to go back to my birth. And I know that sounds strange, <laughs> but uh, I think you know my family has has nurtured um, this idea that we we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people, and and mm. that's a, it's a very simple. Um, and maybe some people would say oversimplify way to look at life. But for me, that's been kind of my guiding, guiding principles. My father grew up in a very poor Mexican-American community called South, South Tucson, in South Tucson, Arizona. And the one thing that lifted him out of that difficult uh, situation was that he told me two things that make a difference. And that's your faith and education. Those are the two things that are extremely important in life and, and, and determine our success. Um, and not in a monetary sense, but in our, in the way that we interact with others, the way that we take care of ourselves, we take care of our families, we take care of our communities. But my father Armando and my mom Nancy basically instilled that in me. And I also believe I have a calling. 
Mm. And all of us, I believe, have callings. And it's not just our professions, but it's something deep inside that comes from our creator. And that, and that my calling is just to help people, to serve people. And not just immigrants and refugees, but just people in general. Right. Um, but but they're, you know, growing up, we always had people coming in from Iran, from Africa, Native American cultures, African-American community, Hispanic community, working with, uh, interacting with people from different Asian communities. And so I'm just used to that. And, and it's something kind of familiar to me. And I just I have a heart uh, for helping people. And then I've had multiple experiences through my life where I've had an opportunity to all the different types of diverse outreaches to people from, from different places. Oh, that's really good. And I think you're spot on with love God and love others. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. No, it's very simple. It's not deep theology. It's right. not it's not deep psychology or sociology. It it's just it is pretty straightforward and it, it is a great way to kind of to try to guide what we do. Um not only with our, our personal lives, with our families, but also in the community and like you and I were talking about, also the way we look at policy and procedures within institutions within government. Yes, exactly. If everyone would just follow those two things, life would be so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we would be able to compromise. You know, there's no, right. there's no, there's no, there, are, there really aren't perfect solutions in an imperfect world. We we have to make compromises, and, and sometimes they do go against some of our principles. But we also understand that we're we're trying to move forward and trying to make the best decisions possible. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right, so that leads us um, to our second question is, what's the biggest challenge you see the immigrant community facing? Wow. <laughs> That's a, that, that, is, that is a big question. That's right? Big, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, there's so many different things. I, from all my years of, of helping people from different places, I, I'm kind of more focused on some of the issues surrounding um, public opinion of immigrants or refugees, looking at the way we look at our history when it comes to immigration, looking at immigration policy, and then probably looking at the way the Christian community responds. So I would say those are kind of the areas that I think where we have uh, some challenges because that affects the way we process people coming into the country, the way we invite people, the way we support people, the way we address the kinds of issues that we're having in the country, and then the way we look to the future. Uh, you know, we yeah. have to have a growth rate in the United States. Right. We have to have young people and people working and paying taxes. We have to have that vibrancy that people bring that are creative and motivated and want to make a difference, and, and that's extremely important. So for me, the biggest challenge is really kind of centered around general acceptance of immigrants and refugees from the from the general population, the way the Christian community responds, and then the way that we kind of understand our history and our immigration policy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a it's a hard question to boil down in just a one sentence answer. You know, there's probably many challenges that are facing the immigrant community, but um, it's always good to get different people's perspectives about what they have seen them facing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And then of course you can break that down into issues with housing and education and employment and, um, some of the psychological traumas and issues of, of transitioning 
between countries and cultures and languages, it, it becomes a little more complex, more on a personal and a family level at that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so you, how long have you been working with uh, immigrants and refugees? Great question. Great question. I, I think if I go back, I've been working probably would go back to the early uh m- mid-1990s when I left college and went down to Mexico to actually start a, uh, a little English school. I'd actually gone down to Mexico to learn more Spanish. My family is uh, a mixed family, a Mexican-American family, and we maybe would speak more Spanglish and English than Spanish sometimes. And so I wanted nice. to, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, some of the more Mexican cultural as opposed to Mexican-American culture and learn a little bit more Spanish language and have those experiences. So I had that opportunity to interact with people and look at some of the the issues of migration because a lot of those communities, people were going back and forth to the U.S. or had lived in the U.S. or were planning to go to the U.S. And so there was a lot of uh, opportunity to see why people come and, and what are some of the reasons for those for that migration. Um, and so the early 1990s, uh, I had opportunities to teach English as a second language in Chiapas. I opened a little language school and then I came back to the U.S. and had different opportunities to to serve people uh, as a Spanish teacher in Tulsa Community College. Also, um, also worked in um, social services for a little while as a director of the Intercultural Service Center at the YWCA. Oh, and so awesome. I've had a lot of yeah, a lot, a lot of different opportunities, and now for 18 years I've been working as a director of the intercult. Uh, excuse me, as the English as Second Language program here at Tulsa Community College. That's that's really cool. So you've you've been at it a while. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> seen seen a lot of the changes. Uh, I love to see the changes, the positive changes in Tulsa with the diversity and the the, the, the many opportunities to celebrate other cultures and and to try different listen to different music, try different foods, interact with different people. If you want to attend a, a, a church in Zomi service, you can do that. I mean, just mm-hmm. lots of uh, really enriching things for, for our communities. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, so since you've been at this a while, helping the immigrant and refugee community, what's been the most frustrating thing um, that you've seen for you personally in helping this community? Um, I think... Uh, two things. I think I'd go back to the biggest challenge, which has a lot to do with our mindset and the way that we approach the idea of migration and, and why people come and should we be welcoming or should we try to be isolate ourselves and keep people out. I think that's one of the big challenges. But the, the, the second area for me is immigration reform. Comprehensive immigration reform hasn't happened. And it right. hasn't happened for a long, 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 long time. Yes. And so... And there's a lot of, it's complex. There are a lot of uh, different interests in this situation, and some of them are kind of nefarious. They're, they're very negative, and some of it is, is big business. Some of it is, of course, the politics, and some of it is just a lack of willingness to step out and, and, and do the right thing and make some compromises in this area. So I would say comprehensive immigration reform is one thing that's really, really difficult. When you have thousands and thousands of young people who basically grew up here that are Americans, right? Um, not being able to participate fully in, in in their communities in this country and make this a better place, that doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's probably one of the, the issue with the DACA community student people that have come here when they were young were brought here when they were young. That's probably one of the biggest frustrations I think for many people, including Mm -hmm. myself. Um, the second thing I would say is institutionalized discrimination. And I, I can't say necessarily racism because it's not race-based. It's more national origin. And this is where I told you I was going to give you some information that people in the community don't know about. Okay. Um, and so, for example, here in the here at Tulsa Community College, uh, we have an English as a Second Language program. And if you come to TCC, for example, as a developmental student, let's say for whatever reason you weren't able to learn English, um, growing up here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you can come to TCC and you can use federal financial aid to take reading classes, basic reading classes, basic writing classes, basic math classes, and the federal government will pay for that. And the state of Oklahoma allows that. But if you're a right. naturalized U.S. citizen, and this everyone needs to listen carefully, a le- we're talking about legal residents and citizens, naturalized citizens, permanent residents, green card holders, you are not allowed to use federal financial aid to study English, reading and writing. Wait, what, why, what's the, what's the reason behind that? That's the big, that's the big question. That's (laughs) the big question. And then there's a lot of old policies and procedures that, that exclude people. I had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's something I've, I've, toiled and tackled and, and kind of just dealt with over the years. I've tried in different ways and I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm starting to speak out very publicly. And as I told you before, some people don't like that. And right, I've already had people telling me, Hey, you need to be a little more careful about how you're talking about the state of Oklahoma and Tulsa community college. And I have no ill will toward the state of Oklahoma or Tulsa community college, but, but we need to find solutions to helping people move quickly to college, move quickly to a better um, position in, the, in their workplace. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's one of those frustrations. (laughs) Yeah. That's very frustrating. I I had no idea that this actually existed. There are many states that do allow you to use your uh, tax. You know, we all, we all pay taxes. Everybody, naturalized citizens pay taxes, permanent residents pay taxes, refugees pay taxes, uh, people on work authorization pay taxes, asylees pay, we all pay taxes (laughs) in some way or or another. Um, And and my idea is that we should have access to education. It's not enough to say, it's not enough to say you can come study it at any institution, but you also have to have the money to study. Um, And so that's extremely important. Now, I will tell you, there's a small percentage of naturalized citizens and permanent residents who graduate from a high school in the U.S. or in Oklahoma that do have access to federal financial aid. There's some tricky things there. And so we're talking about a very, very, very small percentage of the people that I work with um, do have this access. The problem is, is that needs to be opened up to, to everyone so that people can take control of their educational future, their economic futures, and move quickly into into uh, the workforce and the professions that they want to serve in. Yeah, exactly. And it would make it fair across the board. Right now, it's it's not fair. Yeah, and I think that's important. A lot of people talk about fairness, and, and, and fairness since, tends to be this guiding uh, principle. And this is a good example unfairness. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we'll come back to what we can do how can we get involved and change to help change that later at the end? But um, so that launches us into what I want to talk with you mainly about 
today is student visas. Yes, uh, definitely. <clears throat> I have lots of ideas yeah. about student visas too and their importance to um, our country and our communities. Right. And so um, with, your, with you being your position, you've probably seen a lot of students from foreign countries coming here under student visas. So can you give us a rough rundown about what it takes from someone, say, Russia, to come here to study? Yes, it's, it's very important that people understand that this process is, is not easy because a lot of times you hear people, hey, why don't you just go get your paperwork? Why don't you just go get your citizenship? Why don't you just go do get this or that? It's not that easy. And the reality is a common person, just a regular um, member of any community may not qualify to come to the United States in any capacity. So that's important for people to understand. You, you just don't go and apply and you're get, you get accepted and you get a visa and you come to the country. Now, in the, in the right. case of student visas, student visas um, have a number of requirements. And one of them is you have to show that you have in the bank probably twenty to $30,000. Whoa. So I would ask you, Casey, um, most of the people that I know here in the Tulsa area may not have $30,000 <laughs> no, um, readily accessible in savings. I know at this point, I don't think I do. Um, not in my actual savings. There may be money sitting in a 401k or something like that. But, right. but it, yeah, but I also have the, I've had the ability to work in a professional position and have lots of other opportunities that other people don't have. Yeah. And, and you're, so, you're, you're asking 18, 19 year olds who want to come study here, Hey, have $30,000 in the bank. Right. So there's a lot of money and, and it may be a little bit less. I, I think it's between 20 and 30, kind of depending on whether or not you're bringing family members with you, you know, your wife, right. your kids and things like that. But um, it's a lot of money. So you're going to have to look for a sponsor, probably someone in your community, or if your family pools money together, whatever you need to do in order to show that. You also have to show your intent, you know, that you finished high school, that you have a degree picked out. Um, and uh, you also probably have to show that you will, will go back home. And the way you're going right. to show that is you have a, maybe you have a home, you have a, a job that's pretty steady, or at least it looks like it's a job that you could go back to. Your family seems to be pretty stable. Um, you know, and, and maybe even they might even look at the government could even look at your political affiliations and things like that. So there's a lot of other things that go that are part of that decision making by the State Department. Okay. So, I mean, it's not like uh, they can go down to the their local U.S. consulate and submit paperwork and then just come on over it's a it's a long process long process and unfortunately right now a lot of uh, visa processing centers around the world are they're not taking new applications and we may not see a lot of international students for another year or so uh, i didn't even think about that because yeah you're i mean i'm dealing with my line of work consulates are closed um yeah they're not doing interviews and so i didn't think about how that would affect uh student visas yes definitely so so we're, we we definitely uh, have a drop in in number of student international students on campuses, and we're talking about probably billions of dollars. Um, if you want to look at it from an economic um, standpoint, billions of dollars of uh, of funds that come into the United States in different ways. Oh yeah, right. Um, so is that why it's important for students from other countries to be here, or what would you say is the main reason why we should welcome? students from other countries yeah so that's a good question i think a lot of people want to look at the green right it's all about right. the green 
So yeah. for, for people that make policies and decisions based upon monetary issues or economics, this makes perfect sense. Um, but that's not the most important thing to me. The most important thing to me has to do with the cultural awareness and the cultural interaction, the way that people coming in from other places enrich our classrooms, they enrich our communities. Um, they interact within our religious institutions and within our social social networks and those friendships that develop. And this is the most important thing to me. Those fin- friendships that develop lead to world peace in a sense, because right. it's hard to hate someone, you know, and someone that's your friend. So if I have new friends from Saudi Arabia or new friends from Myanmar or, or some people call Burma, um, it's hard for me to support aggression um when you know when i have those friendships exactly um yeah because it's no longer a statistic or someone from over there it's become a dear friend you know someone that it's a face to the country exactly and it it makes it a lot easier to try to understand what's going on try to find solutions um, and do do all the things possible to avoid conflict um, and to avoid bloodshed when um, when you know a lot of times we don't go through all those steps. Right, exactly. Um, so it, I could see why it would be very important for students to come here, especially for the for us Americans who really don't leave our hometown, you know. Yes, we're bringing the world to our, our communities, and I think here in Tulsa we've seen that. I, I, I think that um, the viability also of, of institutions, uh, a lot of our, our, our institutions, our educational institutions, they need, um, they need more students. I mean, that also, like I said, it is an economic issue. You know, there are programs that have closed because of, of what happened over the last year or so, not just the pandemic, but also the political environment here in the United States. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I can't remember the exact uh, exact percentage, but a high percentage of students at Tulsa University is uh, internationals. De- they definitely are. You, 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 yeah. have, uh, you have groups from China, groups from Angola, groups from Saudi Arabia, because I think a lot of it had to do with the focus in pet- petroleum studies, petroleum engineering. Right. Yeah, and um, and then of course Oral Roberts University has a lot of students coming in from different countries, um, and then of course OSU, NSU, uh, even TCC has a number of, of students from 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 different places, and we've done studies to look at. I mean, those students just here at TCC they bring millions of dollars into our community. Yeah, and that's that's important in of itself for sure. It is. Oh, it is definitely because those are people yeah. that are renting houses from from us. Those are people that are buying cars in this community. There are people. They pay different types of taxes right? Um, and they're participating in different events and they're also sharing their culture. It's just a, it's just a win-win for everyone. And so the idea of being isolated and, and closing down and keeping people out and all those things really does not benefit our country. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no one's a winner if we, if we do that. Definitely, definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so anything else that you think that people should know about students or student visas? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, you, you, it, it's a difficult process, uh, even more difficult now with what's going on in, in the world. Um, 
but I, I think that things will change here over the next year or so. And I think we'll see more people coming back into the U.S., um, more people investing their, their, their time and their money and their, their energies here. And it's good for us to have people from around the world, especially people who are adventurous, that are creative, that are entrepreneurs. And, um, and then it's nice to have those people go back to their countries and, and take back a, a positive view of who we are as a people and not just all the negative things that we see in the, in the news. Yeah, exactly. Um, very good. Um, so as we wrap up here, um, let's jump back to um, that first thing that you talked about. Is there any way that we can get involved? Um, is there people that we can call, uh, state legislators or to- uh, colleges or anything that we can yeah, do? Talking about, talking about the financial aid issue, I think the financial aid issue is something that people do need to talk to their legislators about. They need to talk to their friends about their family, their communities. They need to talk to people in their churches. I, I just think there's so many, there's so many different places. They just need to share this 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 uh, injustice with people in general. And I think the more people that know about it, and the more people that bring it before groups and boards and and other state of, uh, elected officials and things like that, the more likely we'll we'll gain some momentum. Um, I do plan to start uh, kind of an informal consortium or, or group um, made up of different diverse people and organizations to try to bring this uh, to more of a state level attention. Okay. Um, so that that's something I'm working on. I'll, I'll let you know more about that once I, I have more information. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to join and do anything I can do. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And so, okay, what else could the people listening, how can um, they help you or the cause? And yeah, I, I, yeah, I always tell people there's, there's three things I always use. I always, I stole this from someone. I can't remember who, but it's the four L's. So you, you need to listen to the people in the, from the immigrant refugee community, try to listen and, and try to understand what's going on. Then you need to learn as much as you can about who you are as an individual, what is your immigrant history? Where, where did you mm. come from? And, and try to understand who were your, um, you know, who are your ancestors? What, what's their story? Because more than likely they're immigrants and refugees and, and asylees and undocumented people. Um, and that's just part of the immig- uh, migration. That's just right. the way the world works. And then you need to learn to love. And I think that's probably the most difficult thing. Just trying to love other people. And the way to do that is seek some new friendships with people that are different from you, that have different backgrounds and are from different places. Um, and that's how we can learn to, to actually break down some of those hard parts of our, our hearts and, and to love other people. And then from there, we have to lead. We have to start talking to people, encouraging people. When you hear something that's negative or not right, just in a nice way saying, that doesn't sound right to me, or did you mean this or did you mean that? Um, yeah. And then find find organizations that you can support, like like the American Dream Center, like Catholic Charities, like the ESL program at TCC, like our nonprofit that we have, Tulsa Intercultural Association. Try to find organizations that you can connect with, that you like their mission, and then just figure out how you can serve. And That's I will awesome. tell you, yeah, I will tell you, uh, we have lots of different ways to do that. If anyone's interested, you can always share my information with them. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I was going to tell people, like, if you would like to check out his nonprofit some more, I will put the link in the description. Um, So 
I know that they're probably looking for financial partners, or if you want to just get involved and serve, you could be able to click on that and see how you can get involved today. Um, so I'd, it's a great organization. Daniel's a, a great guy. Um, so uh, I would definitely say check them out for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Yeah, we're always looking for people who are, are willing to volunteer time and, and also resources. And, and then, like I said, advocate for for people from other places. Yeah, I'll put all your information um, so people can find you guys in the description uh, when I post this. Very good. Well, thank you, awesome. Casey, for having me on on, yeah. on your uh, podcast today. Oh, no problem. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the wisdom. Um, and uh, hopefully people learned a little bit more about what's going on um, with students and student visas. So thank yeah, you. Definitely. Well, thank you. Have a blessed all right, day. Guys. All right. Well, guys, thank you again for tuning in to the American Nightmare. We'll see you next month. And if again, if you have any questions, please reach out, let us know. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the American Nightmare. If you have questions or comments, please send them our way so we can make future episodes. Also, we'd like to say if you're an immigrant in need of immigration assistance, please reach out to the American Dream Center or an immigration attorney for further assistance. Each case is completely different when it comes to immigration. So thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you next month. Be sure to subscribe, share, and comment. Thank you guys. Have a great day.